0: Since 1981, the OHSU nurse midwifery faculty practice has been offering a wide variety of professional career pathways for students. Beyond pregnancy and childbirth care, nurse midwives provide primary care, well-woman gynecology, family planning, fertility, and newborn care during the first 28 days of life. It's Tuesday, June 2nd, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Josh Anderson. I spoke with three nurse midwives to learn about midwifery during COVID and the changes they've seen to their practice. So thank you all for joining me today. Um, Why don't we get started with introductions? Julia, why don't you start?
1: Hi, glad to be here. My name's Julia Vance and I've been involved in birth work for about 30 years. Um, I've been a nurse midwife for 19 now and involved most of that time at OHSU.
2: Thank you for inviting us. I'm Lisa Scott and I have been at OHSU since 2015 in the faculty practice. I'm a certified nurse midwife and I have been a midwife uh, for approximately 20 years now and interested in women's health and worked in high risk obstetrics for about four years before that. So glad to join the OHSU family.
3: Hi, good morning. My name is Claudia berg I've joined OHSU about a year ago, so not very long. Um, I've been a midwife for about seven years in a couple different states, in a couple different settings, and I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks again
0: for joining us on the podcast. How does nurse midwifery contribute to the value of healthcare?
1: This is Julia. I'll take that one first. I love this question because i think that this is why many of us got into the birth community and got into midwifery in particular Um, midwives since their inception especially here in the states have been experts at serving underserved populations for lower cost with better outcomes um, and particularly in the realm of patient experiences and I think that in this um, healthcare systems that we are working in within within right now, that's the hallmark of all of the healthcare that we would love to see. And midwifery really stands out as leaders in that way.
0: How is nurse midwifery during a pandemic different than nurse midwifery during normal operations? Um, what has stayed the same and what is different?
3: This is Claudia. A few things that that have changed for us is some of the comfort measures that we were offering our patients in the hospital have been taken away, um, such as water birth or nitrous oxide for pain relief, which has certainly made it somewhat challenging, you know, for some patients that, that come in with the idea of wanting an unmedicated birth, um, to to be able to do that. Since some of those, you know, big things were taken away. In addition to that, they were only allowed to have one partner with them which also like threw a curveball in for some of them that were counting on you know having a doula present they were already hired and now they they couldn't do it anymore Um, child care issues they're no longer able to bring siblings in stuff like that so it definitely made it challenging for the patient population which probably also you know makes us even a bigger presence in the room you know to take over that additional support that they may or may not need
1: This is Julia. I think that one of the differences that we've seen, in addition to everything that Claudia said, is that women are much more anxious. They're much more anxious about their birth experience. They're much more anxious about what might be coming. And they're anxious just about life in general. As we've started doing the televisits, that's another change that I've seen in the pandemic. I, as a practitioner, have difficulty with having less one-on-one time with women and their families, but also touching their bellies. We have so much um, art in midwifery in terms of feeling the baby and monitoring the growth and all of those things that we do in person that it's really uncomfortable as a practitioner to not have that access to women in person in the clinic setting. The other thing that I think happens on the floor in labor and delivery that is a little sad is that we have to be garbed up more and so that interpersonal interaction being able to see our faces because we're always behind a mask or even in some cases we're behind shields and have all of the PPE on, it just feels more impersonal and and we don't get to hug our patients as we do in the clinic normally. So just that interpersonal interaction has been really different that's been a sadness for me as a practitioner and I think for some women as patients as well.
2: Lisa, um, and I would absolutely support what both Claudia and Julia have been saying about some of the differences of care in this time. Um, And I do feel like even though it has been a challenge for both patients and practitioners, it does allow one aspect that is kind of a tenant of midwifery to shine we work very hard to individualize what we do and to, um, as Julia mentioned, personally um, have a touch base with each patient. And physical touch is a big part of that, but also as we have seen more anxiety and concerns expressed from our patients, meeting them right where they are and meeting the whole person and not just meeting their needs um, around pregnancy and the changes and the physical demands of that, but also looking at how we can support them and their community with bringing a new baby home. You mentioned
0: uh, different restrictions, even restrictions around touch. Um, can you explain that a little bit more?
2: This is Lisa. We have at OHSU really looked at how we can provide adequate care, but also really promote safety for our patients and visitors as if they're there, as well as staff. And so in the setting of our clinic, as well as on labor and delivery, you will see all of the staff are routinely wearing masks. We also have other PPE that is used at other times, Um, but also we're trying to promote the uh, respecting of social distancing. So even when we're in a visit with patients, in the clinic they cannot bring a visitor with them anymore Uh, for our patients that often means their partner can't go to the ultrasound with them cannot come to our visits with them people are very creative though we have a lot of phone interactions with partners and support folks but we are trying to um, limit some of that physical touch when it's not necessary for the care we're providing. We're using more personal protective equipment, so you'll see us more often in maybe gowns, gloves, even if we're doing some of our routine physical touch that may still be needed. And um, it can really feel much more distant, even just the presence of the mask, where it's so important you can't see someone smiling. Uh, You can't see the lower half of anyone's face, so it feels much more distancing as well. And you know, I, I feel like with my colleagues and I know with myself, it's been very routine for me to hug patients, to pat them on the shoulder, to do extra touch with them, just letting them know we're connected when we're together. We do a lot of touch around labor support on labor and delivery. And so there's always a hesitation at this point and thinking of what is safe, what is necessary, and also what might make the patient feel more nervous rather than supported.
1: This is Julia. I have uh, a story of a woman in labor that I'd like to add. I had a patient a couple of weeks ago that was desiring an unmedicated labor, and um, she was—I was busy. I had more than one patient, so um, the nurse was providing excellent labor support for her. But she called me up and she said, "You know, this this woman's kind of at her max. She's she's hit a wall. Can you come down?" And um, I came into the room and you know, it was just one of those magical matches where I was able to help her in a way that she needed in that moment. And she went from having sort of hit her wall to coping again and wound up getting through the rest of her labor and birth without medication. And it was a lovely event and it was it, it was beautiful for me because I had that midwife magic for me, but it was also nice to see that um she was so proud of herself and she was so excited at the end of the whole thing that she could have done it with just labor support and i'm using that in quotes right because we know that on hands-on labor support is one of the best tools that we have to help women through their their discomfort of labor so that was my personal recent experience and it was you know one of those days that makes you believe in what you're doing and and feel empowered as well as having empowered someone else it was lovely
0: have a a day like that where you fill your soul um, during times like this. Um, Everybody needs that. Absolutely. Have you found any new ways of caring for patients through all of this that we might consider continuing as we move forward to our new normal?
2: Um, This is Lisa. I would say one of the things that has been very new to me is the idea of the virtual visit. Um, We had not yet been implementing that um, in our practice here at OHSU for our clinic visits. We were being uh, trained, but it was rolling out kind of slowly. Um, With the COVID situation, things were um, ramped up, and that is something we've moved to offering our patients. And we have many patients that are glad to take advantage of that. I was a little nervous at first. You know, I am used to being face-to-face with my patients, being able to... uh, like I'm making that personal connection is very important to me. I wasn't sure if that would happen in the virtual setting. But what I have found is that for some patients it is wonderful. One, it eliminates their need for travel. It makes the visit much more uh, timely for them. And for many of our patients, they have um, other children, they have demands at home, just getting to OHSU parking, different things can be a little bit of a challenge. And so for many patients, it has been a real benefit to them to be able to connect with us from their own environment, They can still be in that setting. They're very comfortable. Uh, The technology has worked pretty smoothly for those that have it available. And I have found that it's nice to see patients in their home environment. Maybe their other child will come and join us. There have been some really interesting moments to see people in their own setting, uh, maybe even a little more relaxed. They open up a little maybe about questions they might have. I find those visits are a little longer. As we've mentioned right now, there's a lot of anxiety just in general. And so patients are asking a lot more questions, taking a lot more talk time. Um, But the virtual setting has been very useful and very beneficial, uh, which was something that I'm not sure I anticipated.
0: What examples can you share with us about situations that you are seeing more often now as you're providing healthcare during a pandemic?
1: This is Julia. I, um, the, the glaring one for me, uh, situation that I'm seeing more frequently now is a request for more inductions of labor. We have always sold our practice as one with uh, low interventions and less needed and fewer inductions and less needed. And um, especially at the very beginning of the pandemic, we were having many, many women requesting inductions as soon as it was met, not even medically indicated, as soon as it was possible. They were trying to get in and out of the hospital as soon as possible. Um, we also had a number of patients who actually left a hospital based practice to seek care from home or birth center providers. Out of the concern about COVID in the hospital, but also out of concern about not having those water tubs or nitrous oxide or doula support. So they were choosing home or birth centers where they could have at least the water and maybe their doula present. So those are the two things that changed dramatically for us. We, we had uh, many, many, many inductions and it was uh, quite a shift for us as a practice. The other thing that I've seen is a lot of planning by families quarantining in their areas where they live or quarantining in the Portland area so that they could have that support at home after the birth of their child. And that's been much more systematic and planned for, which is great because, you know, we were very concerned at the beginning that people would not have the kind of support that one would normally hope for a woman when she's first home with a newborn. So we are fortunate in that we have a patient population that can plan and probably does have the Uh, Most of them have the resources to have parents or grandparents who can quarantine, et cetera. That's certainly not the situation for many other midwifery practices. Um, Midwives in general are most nicely utilized in underserved populations. But, um, yeah, family members being able to quarantine to help out postpartum, very interesting changes there.
0: How are nurse midwives prepared for unpredictable disasters like this? And... We learned from this current situation.
3: This is Claudia. Labor, you—the yeah, nature of labor is is somewhat unpredictable. So every time we come to work, we don't really know what the day is going to bring us, and you know what cases, what patients, what situations we're you know we're gonna encounter that day. And so I think the nature of midwifery is to, on a daily basis, you know, work with. unknown. We know what is normal and we know what, what should happen, but more than once, you know, do changes occur that we didn't expect and that we have to deal with. And I think a situation like this, while this is certainly a whole different magnitude of, you know, just a labor that goes not the way we wanted it to, but I think it really helped us you know, cope with that and just take it day by day. And we saw that every day there were new changes, you know, that were made, whether that was through the organization or, you know, our group or what our patients were feeling. I think we were able to, to really take it step by step and, you know, step everyone through that, including ourselves. And, you know, here we are how many X number of weeks into it. And I think we've done a pretty nice job. This is Julia.
1: I love that Claudia. Midwifery started as you know, in the in the states. Anyway, you midwifery started as you know, out in the hills where there was no care, and um, we provided the care for women and small children, from both the nursing and midwifery perspectives. And um, I think that we're experts at preserving that normalcy in stressful situations. Um, I think that midwives are utilized across the world. By Doctors Without Borders to provide routine and sort of normal pregnancy care in disaster areas and in an emergency situations, and I think that midwives have been experts at that since the beginning of of the idea of the granny midwife, who had her training from her prior her, her granny probably um, through the midwifery of the of the you know the nurse midwives today.
0: If you look at healthcare for women in the future, do you see any opportunities for change or new innovations to thrive?
3: This is Claudia again. Every time I talk with a patient, particularly during the virtual visits, I feel like, you know, there certainly is a silver lining there somewhere in there. Um, I find that, you know, some women or really most of them that now have not been going to work every day or that have a partner at home with them. They're actually getting more rest. They get to sleep more. They get to, you know, be comfortable at home. They can prepare better, you know, for their labor that's coming up. And then after baby is here, they probably have more help at home again. You know, they're not all of a sudden stuck at home, but, you know, a two-year-old and a five-year-old and a newborn baby, their partners are home with them. And uh, me coming from a European background, but that's really the standard where women are home, you know, much sooner in their pregnancy and much longer after their baby. I almost find it, I don't want to use the word nice. But uh, I think there's definitely, you know, some benefits to be seen there. And I really hope that, you know, we could take some of that and, you know, use that in the future when things are, you know, slowing down again, when things are being more normal again, I should say. Um, I would love to, you know, have some data, like how many more women, you know, have um, less signs and symptoms of hypertension towards the end of pregnancy because they can relax more at home. But that's a whole other story to go into. So. But uh, I really try to find the good things there. And
2: I think some women do recognize that. This is Lisa. I also think as OHSU and the country and the world in general move forward from this experience, there's a lot we can take um, around the focus of midwifery, around low intervention and what is normal and how we use our healthcare resources and when. Even in our practice with uh, the institution of more virtual visits, even the midwife patients, we've discovered that there may be times when it can be very appropriate that we might extend a time period between visits for patients that are well and normal and have no concerns. And perhaps there are times that testing is available, but perhaps not indicated for every instance. And so looking at really how we utilize those resources and reminding all of us what the setting of normal looks like and that because we are a large country and um, have many, many resources available, we also have a great responsibility in how we manage those. And I think as we look forward to the financial recovery in our country and in our organization, nurse midwives, nurse practitioners, um, and all of us have a responsibility and um, some key things that we can take from this situation to help us look at how we go forward with that and helping to reestablish some of the ways that we look at uh, healthcare utilization
0: so, how do you think midwifery transforms healthcare around the world?
1: This is Julia. I think that midwifery has remained the critical factor in transforming maternity care around the world. Um, we serve as educators in every setting, um, from the community settings in in Africa and other countries um, to the schools of midwifery here in the states. So we form the baseline of normalcy, we preserve that, we honor that while we're educated to catch the things that aren't going well. And I think that the more that we can uh, use the best evidence that we have to create the best birth experiences with the best outcomes, with the least interventions at the lowest cost,
3: we can impact maternity care throughout the world. This is Claudia. I think Julia really summed it up so nicely, you know, that I think midwives are so, you know, able to not look at pregnancy as a illness or disease, but rather as such a normal, you know, process and treat it as such, you know, and having the ability to recognize when things are not going so well and then act on that. I think we're so well equipped for that and outcomes all over the world have shown that. And I just really hope that the word spreading.
0: Claudia, Julia, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on OHSU Week.
3: Thank
0: you for having us. OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was produced by Christy Richardson-Zorboralski and edited by me. I'm Josh Anderson. Thanks for joining us.